Welcome, everybody. The first vote of the 2024 Republican primary is now in the books. It is officially primary election season and a Florida man with 91 felony counts against him, who was also recently determined to be a civilly liable rapist, won the Iowa caucus. I'm referring, of course, to the former president, Donald Trump. We are going to look at the results. We will talk about whether is there any even hypothetical path to anyone other than Trump winning this nomination for the Republican Party? What is the deal with Nikki Haley? What's going on with Ron DeSantis, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy immediately dropping out? So let's take it in the only way that I believe makes sense step by step, starting with the results from last night. Donald Trump was polling in the mid 50s heading into yesterday's Iowa caucus. Donald Trump did win with slightly less support than what was indicated in the polls. Trump with 51 percent of the vote, all of the other candidates sharing 49 percent of the vote. And that'll be relevant to my forthcoming analysis 45 seconds from now. Ron DeSantis ultimately ending up in second place, but barely, just barely uh, about two points ahead of Nikki Haley. So again, we zoom it out. You've got Trump 51. DeSantis, 21, Nikki Haley, 19. You may recall that Vivek Ramaswamy, with complete and total confidence, said he would win Iowa. He came in fourth with seven point seven percent. Now, to his credit, he was only polling, I think, five. So Vivek Ramaswamy over uh, uh, performing. Ryan Binkley, who I had never heard of until yesterday, actually came in ahead of Asa Hutchinson and Chris Christie. Chris Christie ending up with 35, not 35 percent of the vote, not 3.5 percent of the vote, but 35 votes for Chris Christie, the sanest candidate by far doing absolutely the worst. So let me give you a couple of perspectives that have been floated and, and tell you why they, they maybe aren't super hot. First perspective is, listen, this is a bad sign for Trump if the Republicans could get their act together. Why? Well, look. Trump only got 51 percent of the vote. That means that 49 percent of the voters wanted someone else, meaning that essentially this is 50 50 between pro Trump and anti Trump. Now, that might sound interesting. That might sound accurate. That might sound appealing. But what you have to understand is that if all of these other people get out, a bunch of their support goes to Trump. Let me explain what I mean by that. If you look at DeSantis and Nikki Haley together, they have what we might call 40 percent of the vote. But the problem is, if DeSantis gets out, a bunch of his support goes to Trump. How do we know that? Because that's what voters have said in the polls. They've been asked, OK, DeSantis supporters, who's your second choice? Where do you go if, Trump, if DeSantis is out? They don't go to Nikki. They go to Trump. Similarly, with Nikki Haley, I think it was 60 percent of Nikki Haley supporters said, if Haley doesn't win, I'm going Trump. So although in in some sense you look at these numbers and you go half, it's 50 50 half wants Trump, half doesn't they everybody else should get out and unite behind whoever uh, it doesn't work that way, because as these candidates get out, a significant portion of their support actually goes to Donald Trump. Now, second place was also very important for Ron DeSantis because there were rumors floating around that if DeSantis doesn't manage to get second place in Iowa yesterday, 
And if indeed Nikki Haley gets second place, that that's the end of the line for DeSantis and DeSantis is getting out, especially when you consider DeSantis started at 30 in the polling and has ended up uh, much lower nationally. Nikki Haley started at one nationally and is all the way up to 11 where she is now. If Nikki Haley comes in ahead of DeSantis, the rumor was DeSantis is out. Well, he lives to fight another day. Both Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis acting as if they won uh, last night. They very much did not. One other note about this. Uh, Trump almost certainly will win this primary unless he ends up dead. I mean, quite literally, I can't think of anything that would prevent Trump from being the nominee unless he's not alive. But one important historical note is that Iowa is rarely declarative or predictive of who is the Republican nominee. In 2008, Huckabee, not Sarah Huckabee Sanders, Mike Huckabee uh, won Iowa. He was not the nominee. It was John McCain. In 2012, Rick Santorum, a name that many of our young viewers probably don't even recognize. Rick Santorum won the 2012 Iowa caucus. The nominee ultimately was Willard Mitt Romney, former governor of Massachusetts. And in 2016, it was Ted Cruz, even though Trump forgot and claimed that he won Iowa in in 2016. You'll see that later. Ted Cruz actually won Iowa in 2016. None of these winners were they're sort of losers, but winners. None of those winners ultimately were their party's nominee. So keep that in mind. But the guy with the 91 felony charges winning last night, Donald Trump coming out to speak to a sycophant crowd after it was announced that he won the Iowa caucus. It didn't take long for that announcement to be made. I want to say it took 20 minutes uh, before the Associated Press and other elements of news announced that they were able to call it for Trump. And uh, Donald Trump came out sort of sarcastically and said, uh, you know, I hope Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis are having fun fighting each other. Here is Trump at his victory speech last night. I want to congratulate Ron and Nikki for having a a good a good time together. We're all having a good time together. And uh, I think they both actually did very well. I really do. I think they both did very well. We don't even know what the outcome of second place is. Yeah, at this point, Haley and DeSantis were very tight. Ultimately, Ron DeSantis coming in second place and arguably saving his primary race, at least for now. Donald Trump unable to tell the truth, even during a simple I won speech wrongly claiming that this is the third time that he won the Iowa primary. So I want to just finish by saying that uh, this has been an incredible experience. The people have been this is the third time we've won, but this is the biggest win. That is very much untrue. In fact, Trump kind of has never really won Iowa before this time. And I'll explain in 2016, Ted Cruz won like he just straight up won. Ted Cruz won the 2016 Iowa caucus. Trump is wrong. In 2020, there really wasn't a primary, much the same way that in 2024, Democrats aren't running a real primary because Biden is the incumbent. In 2020, Republicans didn't run a real primary because Trump was the incumbent. So to say Trump won Iowa in 2020 ignores the fact that he was essentially unopposed. So when Trump says I won three times, He's really won it once 
if you actually want to talk about winning a contested Iowa. Truth doesn't matter, I know, but just, you know, it, it might my effort to correct it. And then lastly, Donald Trump continuing this very gross attack on Joe Biden by saying Jimmy Carter is happy about Joe Biden because it means Jimmy Carter is no longer the worst president ever. He keeps telling this joke. It's not a good joke. And, you know, my wife attended the funeral two months ago of Rosalind Carter, and it was beautiful. And Jimmy Carter was there. And I thought to myself, Jimmy Carter is happy now because he will not because his wife died, guys. It's the the funeral mention is not related. Listen to the explanation here. Go down as being a brilliant president by comparison to Joe Biden. He'll be a brilliant president. It's going to be he's going to be known as brilliant. All right. So there is Donald Trump repeating that vile line once again. Trump not exactly gracious in victory, but sort of with this faux conciliatory tone, which talks about how now we're going to come together now that Trump won the caucus and he will likely win the primary. The country will come together and understand that for an authoritarian dictator wannabe like Trump, what he means by now that I won, we are going to come together is now that I won. Everybody damn well better acquiesce and get behind me and become loyal in the way that Trump defines loyalty, or I will target you for retribution. That's what Trump's Trump means by unity. So Trump speaking after winning Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley also spoke after losing, but you wouldn't know they lost from looking at their speeches. Let's talk about that a little bit. Ron DeSantis is not known for charisma. And he is certainly not known to be a good public speaker. He is not high energy, but he gave a very interesting speech last night after losing the Iowa caucus. Remember, DeSantis did not win. He gave a speech around 1030 central time there in Iowa where he acted as though they did it. And he used the term that they got their ticket punched out of Iowa. Everything about how this guy speaks is just so cringy. And DeSantis seems to be declaring victory even though he lost. It's really weird. Take a listen to this. Thank you. Thanks so much. They threw everything but the kitchen sink at us. Yeah. We love you, too. They threw everything but the kitchen sink at us. They spent almost 50 million dollars attacking us. No one's faced that much all the way just through Iowa. They the media was against us. They were writing our obituary months ago. I mean, it'll probably be written next week. It'll probably published next week. So it's not that early. They even called the election before people even got a chance to vote. Right. But they were just so excited about the fact that they were predicting uh, that we wouldn't be able uh, to get our ticket punched here out of Iowa. But I can tell you, because of your support, in spite of all of that that they threw at us, everyone against us, we've got our ticket punched out of Iowa. I guess what he's saying is. My performance wasn't so humiliating. I didn't lose the solid second place status by so much that I had months ago. 
I am able to continue to next week's primary in New Hampshire. I guess that's what he means by he got his ticket punched out of Iowa. And similarly, Nikki Haley said it's now a two person race, the primary. I'm not gathering that from the numbers either. It seems like it's Trump and then Nikki and Ron fighting for second place. And by the way, Nikki Haley didn't even come in in second place. So I don't know which two people she's thinking about. I can safely say tonight Iowa made this Republican primary a two person race. Which two people? (laughs) I, I don't I really don't understand which two people she's thinking of. Very, very strange. But, you know, I guess they have their talking point. They're not going to deviate from it. DeSantis giving a speech that would be indicative of at least a strong second place, except he barely beat Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley giving a speech indicative of her being in a strong second place with DeSantis behind her. That's also not true. So it's all very weird and pre-planned speeches. I guess once you write the speech, you stick to it even if the election results uh, don't coincide. So there it is. We heard the results. We heard from the top three finishers. It was not a good night for Vivek Ramaswamy. We will take a very short break and then discuss his future or lack thereof in a moment. I'm very particular about my coffee and our sponsor trade coffee helps you do more in 2024. If you're like me, coffee might be part of your routine, maybe a factor in your productivity. Check out trade as your destination for better coffee at home. Subscribe to trade and start the year with amazing coffee. You'll discover new favorites. You'll support more than 55 local roasters across the country and you will upgrade your morning And the best part is you can personalize all of it from the type of coffee you get, how often you get it delivered. They have decaf. If that's your preference, I recently got Orin's Colombian from New York, sweet and inviting, full bodied notes of pine. I actually love pine. Who knew pine is great. Every time I get a new shipment from trade, the quality and the taste is top notch. The convenience is it's just great. The coffee comes to my door instead of having to go find them. Whether you already know what you like or you're new to specialty coffee and want some help, trade just makes it easy to discover new coffees you will like. Jumpstart the year. Sign up for a trade subscription right now. Trade is offering a free bag with select subscription plans when you visit drinktrade.com slash Pacman. That's drinktrade.com slash Pacman to get a free bag of coffee with select subscription plans. The link is in the podcast notes. One of our sponsors today is BetterHelp. Uh, Viewers of the show, listeners know I'm a big advocate of therapy. Uh, I think it's important to make it more accessible, remove any stigma that might be associated. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. And therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. BetterHelp is therapy done entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. Fill out a brief questionnaire. You'll be matched with a licensed therapist 
switch therapists anytime at no additional charge. I'm a huge believer in talk therapy and BetterHelp is making it more accessible to more people. You can even find a therapist who specializes in certain areas, which maybe you can't find where you are geographically. There are lots of great benefits to doing therapy online. Get it off your chest. Visit BetterHelp. Go to betterhelp.com slash Pacman show today to get 10% off your first month. That's better. H E L P.com slash Pacman show. The link is in the podcast notes. Next time you're shopping online, getting someone a gift, check out our sponsor deal dash. You can get some great deals. Here's how it works. When stores and warehouses have excess merchandise, they send it to deal dash for cheap. So deal dash can sell it to you for pennies on the dollar. And we're only talking about brand new items, nothing used at all. You buy bids up front to auction on the items. For example, 30 bucks for 400 bids. Every auction starts at zero dollars. There's no minimum. Each bid increases the price by a penny. If no one bids only 10 seconds after you bid, you win. And the important part is if you don't win, you can still choose to buy the item for the listed price and get your bids back and use them for something else. That's why a lot of people really like the deal dash system right now. I'm bidding on this awesome, huge gray rug that I want for my dining room. Everybody can find something they need on deal dash. Go to deal slash Pacman. You will get 100 free bids with your first bid pack purchase when you use my promo code Pacman. That's deal slash Pacman for 100 free bids. The info is in the podcast notes. Remember that as we enter now and we dig deeper and deeper into the 2024 election, the David Pakman show does continue to primarily be supported by our audience. People who listen to the podcast or listen on the radio, watch on free speech TV, watch on YouTube, check out TikToks or whatever the case may be. You can sign up and get a membership at joinpacman.com. It's we it, I have to tell you, there's no weird bonuses to being a member. You just get more of the show and you get it commercial free and you get invited to our members only town hall events. It's it's I don't have any drinkable silver to offer you or anything like that. I know some other shows may have that. Uh, you can sign up at joinpacman.com and you can use the coupon code save democracy 24 to save. Uh, I think it's about 60 or 65 percent. It's a beautiful coupon code that I can tell you. Save democracy 24 at joinpacman.com. Vivek Ramaswamy predicted he would win the Iowa Republican caucus last night. He did not. He came in fourth place and he immediately ended his campaign. You know, I don't think I will ever forget where I was when I heard that Vivek Ramaswamy was dropping out of this race. It is going to be it's just one of those moments you'll know forever exactly where you were when you saw him make this announcement. The first hard truth, and this one's hard for me, I gotta admit this, but we've looked at it every which way, and I think it is true that we did not achieve the surprise that we wanted to deliver tonight. And
I always find it funny when, you know, oh, we, we've we've run the numbers every way we can. And it's like, I don't know, I was in fourth place and I'm only fo- polling four percent and I have no path to winning any state. It has now become clear that I have no path forward. Dude, I told you that when I first interviewed you months ago, what? So it, it becomes one of these things where it's like, do you have to just suspend disbelief in order to run? Because we all know that you've got no shot looking at the polling or did you genuinely not realize that before, which would be weird because he has access to all the same data we have. But anyway, I I'm getting ahead of myself here. He is telling us the future of his campaign. I think that that's just a hard fact that we're going to have to accept as a campaign. And the question then is, what do we do that is right for our country? Right. And so for and I, we, we actually didn't make this contingency plan before everybody told us to. We said, no, we're not doing that. It never occurred to me to think, what will I do if I come in fourth the way the polling says I will? I never even thought about it until five minutes ago. But we talked about it tonight. We took a little bit of time in our apartment in Des Moines before coming here to make some hard choices. And I wanted to make a couple of announcements tonight to get the business out of the way. Uh oh. And then I want to tell you where we're going. As of this moment, we are going to suspend this presidential campaign. And this is going to have to be, there's no path for me to be the next president absent things that we don't want to see happen in this country. Right. I guess Trump being jailed or killed or something. I don't know. I don't even know what he's thinking of. And I think that I am very worried for our country. I think we are skating on thin ice as a nation. We have done everything in our part to make and done. Every one of us in this room has done our part to save this country. And I am so proud of every one of you who have lifted us up, but we're a campaign founded on the truth. And so that's why we've made that decision today. And I'm also making the decision that this has to be an America first candidate in that White House. As I've said since the beginning, there are two America first candidates in this race. And earlier tonight, I called Donald Trump to tell him that I congratulate him on his victory. And now going forward, he will have my full endorsement for the president. I love the lady screaming, don't do it. That is just perfect. Don't do it. No, don't do it. And I think we're going to do the right thing for this country. (laughs) That woman did not like what was going on here. So listen, um, this comes as a surprise to absolutely no one. It is now going to be a fight between Trump, DeSantis and Nikki Haley. It seems to me that if DeSantis performs as poorly as he is expected to in New Hampshire, he may also be gone uh, quite soon. And uh, my prediction on on Vivek, I, I actually thought he would make it into February. I thought his campaign would last into February. I was wrong. He uh, underperformed even my low expectations. So Vivek out endorses Trump. No surprise to anybody. Hey, this you have to see Um, the party supposedly concerned with voter integrity was perfectly happy to be voting into paper bags yesterday during the Iowa caucus that you really can't write this stuff. They have spent years now talking about 
the integrity of the vote. There may have been suspicious bamboo fibers on some ballots in Arizona, which we need to have forensically investigated. And was there barbecue sauce? Was there a form of curry paste that is not really native to where the ballot supposedly came from? It's all crazy. The machines can't be trusted. And there were sandwiches delivered, not uh, commensurate with the number of poll workers and massive dumps. Here's video from last night of people at the Iowa caucus voting into paper bags that appear to be from the local grocery store and everything is just completely fine. And we're, there's no Mike Pillow screaming about the cyber guys and how everything is completely wrong with what's going on here. Uh, this is, you know, it starts to become a little difficult to believe that they really are able to enforce. No one is sneaking back around in line and throwing another ballot in the in the uh, uh, paper bag. Here's an image of a whiteboard that they have where they are tallying votes and they're tallying them in multiple different colored markers, which is like a bit. I mean, listen, just a basic thing would be all what you, you only use one type of writing instrument on these basic stuff where if we're even going the whiteboard route, you should at least control that there is only one color and type of marker, at least two, if not three different types of markers and writing implements being used here. So, you know, the people claiming to be so concerned about voter fraud it's so difficult to believe that this is a serious concern when it's a problem if Biden won. And in this case, we'll raise all sorts of ethereal and obscure concerns about every element of this, despite having no evidence for it. And then meanwhile, everybody's perfectly happy to just put their slips of paper in, in a grocery store bag from next door. These are not serious people. And I know that people will say, David, you know, it's the caucus is different. This is the way they've done it all along. That's fine. I'm I'm happy for them to do it that way if that's the way they want to do it. But for them to then argue that everything was done wrong in 2020 because their person lost while believing that there aren't equivalent criticisms of this system uh, is the sort of pathetic double standard that I don't think any of us are surprised by. So Iowa Republicans voting into paper bags while they continue to be suspicious about some of the tallies from uh, uh, 2020, despite finding no evidence whatsoever that Joe Biden's win was anything but completely legitimate. Uh, a few Iowa uh, supporters of Donald Trump were interviewed yesterday as uh, the minutes tick down to the Iowa caucus. Of course, Donald Trump ultimately winning yesterday in Iowa although not by as big a margin as the polling suggested, Trump finishing up with about 51 percent. Here are just some of these surreal videos where you ask yourself, what are these people talking about? Very strange uh, noises and, and different things happening on the computer. Here is uh, this is from Iowa. This is a right side broadcasting uh, interviewer speaking to a voter and reminding all of us of all of the illegal things that Donald Trump exposed, which I don't remember that at all. I think that Donald Trump has released so much information and really opened the eyes of Americans and, and uncovered all of the um, illegal activities that were going on and, and just what? really opened our eyes to uh, the truth. You know, 
The only illegal activities that I can think of that Donald Trump exposed or told us about are his own. <laughs> I, I'm struggling to remember any other illegal activities that Trump has enlightened us about. And then here is um, a guy talking or a woman, rather a person talking about their special caucus captain hat, which she was able to get. They were able to get signed by cult members Eric and Don Jr. and Ben Carson as well. Caucus captain and with his signature. Yes, and I have Eric's signature. I have Donald Jr.'s signature, Dr. Ben Carson's signature on my hat. I have Trump's signature on other things, but I don't have it on my caucus hat, but I aim to get it. I think with your personality and your work ethic, you're well on your way. Thank you. They now seem to actually have ranks. It's it's becoming much more of an organized cult. The white hat, of course, being a Trump caucus captain is higher ranked than, for example, maybe the front row Joe's, the guy who's the guys who travel the country going to Trump's rallies. They are really in a in a, a move reminiscent of Scientology. They're creating a whole infrastructure of ranks and responsibilities and jobs, et cetera. Uh, so listen, when you look at a state like Iowa, you see the high evangelical community and even the evangelicals mostly supporting Trump as the entry polling data suggested yesterday, widely reported data when even the evangelicals mostly support Trump who couldn't be. Can you think of anyone less representative of what evangelicalism claims to be. Now, what it actually is, is a different conversation we can have. But from their stated values, it's very hard to think of anyone less uh, representative of those values than Trump. And yet he got more than 50 percent of their support. Extraordinarily disturbing and concerning stuff. But you go to the election with the opposition you have, not the opposition you wished you had. And these are the folks we're going to have to figure out a way to defeat in November. We'll take a quick break. We are going to look at the very disturbing new poll numbers for Trump versus Biden. I saw the poll. We're going to discuss it. I'm not pretending it doesn't exist. That's after this short break. Did you know there are hundreds of commercial databases and people search sites that hold your personal information and the number is growing every year? Anyone in the world, boss and ex can use these people search sites to see your online activity, to find your home address, phone number, email address, license plate number, family members, financial info, even your political beliefs. Europe has certain laws that protect people against this. But it is a big problem in the United States. The FBI is even buying this data from these companies to get private information about Americans without search warrants. And the solution is our sponsor, Incogni. It takes just moments to sign up. Incogni will send takedown notices to all of the major data broker companies to get your information removed from their databases, which they are legally required to do. And Incogni will keep you updated every step of the way with live information about who's complied, where is Incogni still working on it. Incogni will even send follow ups and appeals on your behalf. Go to incogni.com slash Pacman. You'll get 60% off with the code Pacman. 
That's I N C O G N I dot com slash Pacman. Use code Pacman for 60% off. The link is in the podcast notes. Many in the audience writing to me over the weekend about a genuinely disturbing new poll which shows Biden losing to everyone in the Republican primary in a hypothetical November general election. Some predicting I would ignore the poll. Why would I do that as it? It's never something I do. Uh, Let's discuss the poll. CBS or ABC News article. Rather, Trump tops his opponents while Biden hits a new low in approval ahead of Iowa caucus. This was from over the weekend before yesterday's caucus. The numbers are problematic. The numbers are absolutely problematic. Um, the 2024 primary season begin, begins with Trump ahead of his Repo- Republican opponents in key measures, while Joe Biden's job approval rating at a new low for any president in the last 15 years. This is an ABC News Ipsos poll. Uh, when you are looking at the data, you find that 72 percent of Republican aligned adults would be satisfied with Trump. Doesn't mean they're going to vote for him, but would be satisfied. That's the highest of any of the candidates Um, and considerably fewer Democrats are satisfied with Biden. Only 57 percent of Democrats and Democratic leaning independents are satisfied or would be satisfied with Joe Biden as the party's nominee. This is not particularly good information for Joe Biden, but maybe just as concerning. We have a YouGov CBS News poll in which Biden is losing to Nikki Haley by a brutal eight, losing to DeSanctimonious by three and losing to Trump by two in a general election hypothetical poll. If we look at other recent polls, you have Biden Trump even in a YouGov economist poll. Hilariously, a good poll for Biden, given its typical rightward lean, is the Rasmussen Resorts reports poll where he's beating Haley, except he's losing to DeSantis and losing to Trump by a huge margin. And then in the latest Ipsos Reuters poll in a head to head matchup, Biden and Trump are tied and in a three way race, including Robert F. Kennedy Jr., Trump is ahead by one point. These are very bad numbers for President Joe Biden. And there is nothing, you know, let, I want to I don't know when to interject this. I wanted to mention this today and there's no perfect time, but I, I think now is as good a time as any. You know, after my live coverage last night of the Iowa caucus where Trump won, I got a bunch of emails from people saying, sorry, David, Trump is going to win MAGA 2024, this sort of thing relating to me personally. I this has nothing to do with me. And it's really important to understand. I have almost zero influence over this election. I don't want to say zero. Like I have a show and I know that there are some people who called in and said, hey, you know what? I was going to vote third party, but I'm going to vote Biden because I understand the risk or I was going to stay home and I'm going to go vote Biden because I understand the risk. You're not hurting. If Trump wins, I'm not really the person who gets hurt. Right. I mean, I live in a blue state and a lot of the crazy stuff that uh, President Trump would do will affect me way less living in a blue state. My financial situation is fine. I'm completely stable financially. And uh, uh, unless Trump tries to come take my money, 
I'm going to be fine. Right. This you're, you're not really getting one over on me if Trump wins. It's not for my benefit that I want Joe Biden to win. It's for the benefit of the country. I think it would be better for the country if Biden wins. So the people who write to me and go, David, have you seen these polls? Your guy's going to lose. Ha ha ha. It it's this isn't about me. I'm not the one who wields the influence and I'm not the one who's going to be overwhelmingly affected here. It's going to be a disaster for what this country is supposedly founded on. The people writing to me will suffer at least as much, if not more than I will. So this isn't a personal thing. Now, having put it, putting all of that out of the way, um, I don't know if and when the time to panic arrives with some of these polls in which Biden is losing. Um, there's 10, 12, 15 percent of the electorate that hasn't yet made up their mind. That alone could determine the outcome of the election, and it wouldn't yet be reflected in the polling. Is it simply too early? You know, in September, it was too early for the polls to mean anything. We're now halfway through January. The polls start to have meaning here. Now, I still am of the mindset that if you zoom out and you look at the economy, presidents tend to get reelected when the economy looks this way. But the right is doing a very good job of propagandizing voters into thinking the economy isn't good. And it is absolutely the case. I'm saying it now and I've been saying it. Trump could be president again. Trump could win again. It is not a guarantee in any way that Joe Biden wins this thing. We need to be taking the polling increasingly seriously as we get closer. Now, once Trump is officially the nominee, which I believe is going to happen, And once Biden is officially the nominee, which I believe is going to happen, and once Trump's criminal trials start, we have to see how the polling shifts and changes. But it is absolutely beyond reproach to say the polling doesn't look good for Biden. We can find reasons and excuses to say, well, here's one reason why it's not yet reflective of what's going to happen, so on and so forth. But this is the time of year when the polling starts to reflect the likely reality in November, we should all be scared. But it's not about me. I have no personal desire to, quote, be right. I haven't predicted that no matter what Joe Biden wins this thing, I am generally of the mindset that if the economy remains good, he should be reelected by historical standards. But this is not an election the likes of which we have ever seen. Donald Trump delivered an absolutely sick final rally to Iowa voters before last night's Iowa caucus, which he absolutely won, although by a slightly smaller margin than the polling predicted. Donald Trump was worried about turnout because it's uh, it's been so cold in Iowa, saying even if you are sick as a dog, you've got to go out and vote for me. You've got to do it. Even if you go out and die. Please vote. So if you want to save America from crooked Joe Biden, you must go caucus tomorrow. Very first step. Very first step. We're gonna do it. We're gonna do it big. You gotta get out. You can't sit home. If you're sick as a dog, you say, darling, I gotta make it. Even if you vote and then pass away, it's worth it. <laughs> if you're sick, if you're just so sick you can't darling, I don't think get up. Get up. You get up, you vote. Yes, darling. Ultimately, we know who calls the shots, right? Right, right, Right. 
So you be safe and all, you're going to be safe. And again, all indoors, it's going to be all indoors, but you got to get up, you got to vote. There you go. Even if it leads to your death, get out there and vote for me. Remember, when people are useful to Trump, he becomes very nice to them. Trump revitalizing an old cognitive beauty that even to buy groceries, one needs ID. You know, you have ID for everything, right? You go to the grocery store, you have ID. No matter what you do, you have ID except for voting, which is your most important thing. No voter ID. Trump still seems convinced that if you go and buy Cheerios uh, or, uh, you know, the hipster uh, equivalent of it, um, you're asked for ID. Do we have any idea why Trump keeps repeating this? Does Trump have in mind that if you pull out a paper check, which, by the way, I haven't seen someone do at the grocery store for a very long time, is Trump thinking of, you know, if you pull out a paper check, they ask to see ID. I don't know why he insists you need ID to buy groceries, but he does. Trump also saying that they are going to pray not just to God, they are going to pray for God. We will pray for God and we will be with God as we are one movement, one people, one family. You know, I have to tell you, if God is needing Trump's prayers, I'd be worried about God. And then lastly, Trump alluding to his authoritarian dictatorial fantasies by talking about being president again for four years and beyond beyond. Wait a second. That doesn't sound constitutional. But nobody had to call me because I made the commitment and we kept you first in the nation. As long as I have anything to say about it and that we have a good chance of saying for four years, we'll have a lot to say about it. Four years and beyond. Four years and beyond and interviews with Trump supporters increasingly have them saying, given the choice between Biden reelected democratically and a Trump dictatorship, increasingly I'm seeing interviews with these Trump is saying now sometimes you just need a dictator. Uh, we'll see if we can assemble some of those clips maybe for tomorrow or or for the next day. So an absolutely sick final plea to Iowa voters. But they listened, crowning Trump the winner of the first Iowa caucus. There was one funny moment that I do want to mention just briefly. Uh, Trump was heckled in Iowa. This was in Indianola, Iowa, over the weekend, just before the uh, Iowa caucuses. I don't know why I find this so damn funny. Ninety nine point nine percent of the things Trump does, I find deplorable and disgusting. The way Trump deals with this apparently young protester, I actually find endlessly funny. I don't know what it is about it, but take a listen to this. Thank you, darling. Thank you. Thank you. That's all right. Go home to mommy. Your mommy's waiting. <laughs> Go home to mommy. Thank you very much. So young. It's amazing because that used to happen all of the time. And I don't think it's happened in two and a half or three years. All right. And a heckler being escorted out while uh, holding a sign and yelling climate criminal about Donald Trump. Not incorrect. All right. Uh, let, let's analyze. What is it about go home to mommy? That is it. I think what is funny about it 
is Trump genuinely doesn't get rattled and just doesn't care. Part of it is he is so narcissistic and so self-centered that what difference does it make if someone actually protests? But there is something about go home to mommy. I, I don't know. Let me know what you think about the way Trump handled that. Not exactly Obama esque. Hold, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Let's hear from let's hear it. Let's hear what they have to say. Right. Obama handles it in a different way. But Trump just doesn't care. And the way in which he doesn't care part of his personality disorder, but endlessly funny. Let me know your thoughts. We'll take a quick break. Uh, so much more coming up on the program today. Weight loss is often not easy, especially if you're in your 30s or later. There is no miracle cure, right? The magic diet or the pill or the injection. It's just about healthy eating, not beating yourself up and having a plan. And that's what our sponsor, Ph.D. Weight Loss, understands. Ph.D. Weight Loss helps real people see real results at losing weight. It's lifestyle modification. It's using protocols from successful clinical trials. It's evidence based and it's very reasonable. The founder of Ph.D. Weight Loss is licensed registered dietitian, Dr. Ashley Lucas. She has spent decades developing this program. You can check out their website and the amazing results that many people have had. There's no severe calorie restrictions, no medications or supplements, no crazy unsustainable exercise routines. It's healthy eating, customized meal plan and weekly one on one coaching for a truly personal touch experience. You can learn more about Ph.D. weight loss at myphdweightloss.com. Then call for a consultation at 864-644-1900 and mention The David Pakman Show to get a week of the program totally free. Again, you can learn more at myphdweightloss.com. Then call 864-644-1900 for a consultation and mention my show to get a week for free. The info is in the podcast notes. All right, let's uh, continue getting caught up about the last 24 hours in Iowa and over the long weekend, a number of different things happened. Here's a very funny one that I wanted to bring to you. Uh, our friends, the good liars, Davram and Jason do all sorts of different funny and hilarious things in the political space. Davram actually showed up at a Ron DeSantis rally in uh, Iowa over the weekend, somehow got himself to the front of the room and handed Ron DeSantis a participation trophy saying, listen, you're not going to win, but here's a trophy for participating and you're a snowflake. Uh, DeSantis, you will notice DeSantis and his wife, Casey DeSantis, they initially like it. They initially think this is a nice thing. There's a moment where it just flips and Casey DeSantis notices it before Ron DeSantis that this is a troll. This is a heckler. And then she actually steps in between da our friend Davram and DeSantis and starts pushing him away. Then the security people come in and escort Davram out. Uh, he gets I don't know how they always get themselves into these situations, but it is just perfectly executed. Check this out. Right, nothing's going to stop us. Uh, real quick, before we get started, thank you, everyone. Governor DeSantis, I want to present to you this participation trophy. <laughs> now, probably not going to win the election, right? But we're proud of you for trying. I mean, Sorry, buddy. Sorry. He's special, he's unique, and he's our little snowflake. <laughs> and then he is pushed out. Out, uh, sort of politely. And uh, oh, man, that the, the timing is just absolutely perfect. The fact that DeSantis is still, you know, DeSantis is like 
they're giving me an award. This sounds absolutely great. Even after calling it a participation trophy, Casey DeSantis still laughs and thinks that this is a real thing, uh, but then realizes it actually isn't quite so good. Excellent, excellent job. And uh, the look on DeSantis's face face uh, really worth its weight in gold, I guess I would say. All right, let's transition to something a little more serious now. There was a very interesting article written in Vanity Fair by former guest on the show. He was on with us last month, Brian Stelter. Brian Stelter wrote a uh, an article for Vanity Fair a couple days ago called Where is the Party Heading Inside the Populist Awakening of Bernie Warren and AOC. Now, I encourage you to read the article. This segment is not about the article, but the segment is is about the question. What is the future of the progressive left in the United States? So I, w- I want to talk through what it appeared like maybe it was going to be, uh, which I think has actually changed dramatically. There was a point in time two, three, four, five years ago uh, where it seemed as though the future of the progressive left in the United States was going to go through people like Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Now, it is absolutely the case that those three have been central to the progressive movement in recent years. But there is growing sentiment that it actually may have a very different future, the progressive movement of the United States. What are the issues? What first of all, we should say, what what about Bernie, Warren and AOC? Well, Warren, the progressive left has increasingly abandoned as not actually being progressive. There are there are many on the progressive left who have said, hey, you know what? She's not actually a progressive. She's a corporate dem or whatever the case may be. The fact is that Elizabeth Warren, by voting record, is one of the most progressive members of the U.S. Senate, I think second only to Bernie, if I recall correctly. Uh, She, with her wealth tax proposal, that is a policy that is well to the left of most other Democratic senators currently. So I think there is a very good factual case for Warren being one of the more progressive members of the Senate. But she is perceived by many on the progressive left as not actually being progressive enough. Bernie Sanders has increasingly taken heat from the progressive left uh, for a number of different reasons. His support of Biden has led to many on the progressive left saying Bernie sold out. As I've said before, he sold out. He's in his 80s. He's financially independent. He can retire any time. Why on earth would now be the time to sell out? The way I see it, Bernie has just called it the way he sees it for 40 years. But there are some who believe Bernie has sold out by endorsing Joe Biden. There are some who are upset with Bernie recently with regards to Israel Gaza, with Bernie saying, How do you do a ceasefire with Hamas when Hamas openly says we are going to keep trying to do these sorts of terrorist attacks? So some on the progressive left are angry with Bernie there as well. And then generationally, it's hard to imagine that a guy in his 80s and a woman in her 70s are the next generation of progressive leaders. That's not that's not ageism. It's just mathematics. Uh, They're the same age, essentially, as Joe Biden. So how are they the next generation? Okay. What about AOC? Uh, AOC also has suffered a bit from the she sold out sort of thing. AOC over the last 18 ish to 24 months 
has become significantly more pragmatic and realistic about the way politics works in the United States. This comes to AOC losing some of the enthusiasm for some of these symbolic votes that some on the progressive left uh, like and and push for. And there are some who say, oh, AOC has sold out AOC uh, on some votes where she has voted uh, present rather than voting one way or the other has garnered uh, claims from some on the progressive left that she is uh, part now part of the establishment or whatever. And to be perfectly frank, uh, AOC's likability or approval rating has also suffered significantly. She's getting significantly less media attention. So again, it's tough to believe that AOC is the future of the progressive movement when she also has become quite polarizing, only modestly effective in her role in the House of Representatives and has received ire from people both on the progressive left disaffected with her and those who believe that she's too much part of the woke wing and not the future of the party. OK, so if not Bernie Warren and AOC, three individuals where several years ago it seemed that is the direction that the progressive left was going, what is the future of the progressive left? Well, I don't really know, but the names that you find when you look at op eds from people who are in this business. And I'm going to say a bunch of names, not necessarily because these are the people I want representing the progressive left, but because these are the names that are coming up most frequently. And I know that many in the audience will say, David, how can they represent the progressive left? They're not even progressive. OK, the list that is often being floated. This, this is the list. Gavin Newsom, governor of California, which will make many in the audience absolutely cringe. Some who believe that he's just a loser. Others who believe he's not actually progressive, others who believe he has, quote, ruined California. But Gavin Newsom is a name that is mentioned. Jamie Raskin, who's been on this program, is a name that is mentioned. Counterpoint to Jamie Raskin is, is he really part of the next generation? Well, yeah, compared to 80 year olds, he is. Is he progressive enough? I think if you look into the, re the track record of Jamie Raskin, if you which which we looked at deeply before he appeared on the show, you find a true progressive community organizer who is also skilled at politics. Jamie Raskin is a name that's mentioned. But is he really going to be the leader of the progressive movement? I don't know. Uh, some are talking about Richie Torres from New York, member of Congress. Many in the audience will say he is not nearly anti-Israeli enough. So he can't be the leader of the progressive movement. Stacey Abrams from Georgia is a name that often comes up. The counterpoint with Stacey Abrams for many is when you've lost this many times, it's hard to become the leader of a movement. John Ossoff, young uh, Democratic senator from Georgia, mentioned uh, also uh, by by many. And there are other emerging and influential voices. This is not the entire list. But what I want to bring to you today is there has clearly been a shift. We've seen the perceived future and the changing priorities of the Democratic electorate, in my view, no longer point to Bernie Warren AOC. Who do you believe is the future of the pro progressive movement? And my priority is I don't have to agree with them on everything, but they need to strike the right tone when it comes to dealing with a Republican Party that has been decimated by ignorance, decimated by ignorance 
obstructionists, people you can't work with, people you need to get around rather than work with to get anything done. Who do you see as the future of the progressive movement? And if you look at it and you see Bernie Warren and or AOC, uh, by all means, I want to hear from you. Let me know. Ben Carson, who is not exactly an electric speaker, was interviewed in advance of the Iowa caucus by Fox News's Neil Cavuto and bizarrely compares Donald Trump to King David and host Neil Cavuto. Even Neil Cavuto is visibly shocked by this. Now, for those who have not heard Carson speak ever or recently, understand that he is not exactly an electric speaker. He's not the type of guy who will get you fired up for really anything. Okay, so just just bear that in mind. Well, you know, you you think about the Bible and uh, King David. Uh, most of those people probably, if they were alive back in those days, would have said, "Oh, what a horrible guy!" You know, the episode with Bathsheba and some of the other right. things that he did. And yet, he was a man after God's own heart. God uses different people for different times. You need somebody with a Manhattan business type of uh, personality to deal with the administrative state. You know, there are some real wolves in that Manhattan business environment. And to succeed in that, uh, you don't just kind of be a flowery, nice person necessarily. That doesn't mean he can't be. I've seen him uh, when he's not being attacked. He's a wonderful person. Everybody, I think, would love him. Um, But just to be clear, uh, you're comparing him to King David. I, I, the you're volume is very low. You, I can't you, okay, you I'm sorry. You are just to put up for the record. You're comparing him to King David, and and that worked out well for King David. And that this is another King David, right? I don't know about him, King, uh, but uh, certainly he has some policies that are very worthwhile. And the other okay. thing, Neil. There you go. Um, just an absolutely electric declaration from Ben Carson. You know, even a brain surgeon can tell that this is a cult or maybe better said, you don't have to be a brain surgeon to tell that this is a cult. This is a political religious cult or a religio political cult or something along those lines. They overtly liken Trump to uh, uh, God or God like figures, prominent figures from religious texts. And sadly, you know, there there was a time where a speech like this, a declaration like that from Ben Carson would get you laughed out of politics. I don't know exactly when it's been a while now, but there was a time where it would. This is considered normal Republican politics at this point in time. This sort of cult adoration. He's like King David. He's like God. He was sent by God. God chose him. Uh, we need to pray for God. Trump will pray for God because God needs Trump's help, as we weirdly heard Trump say at a pre pre Iowa caucus event. Uh, This is overtly a cult. Now it needs to be dealt with as such. And so one of the things we've done on the show is we've interviewed experts on cults and cult psychology. It's not ad hominem. It's practical. How do you get people out of a cult? There are experts in this mental health experts, sociologists, psychologists who study when people are in a cult. How do you get them out? Every time it comes up, there are those who see it as an insult to these MAGA people. It's not an insult. We genuinely need to figure out how do we get them out of the cult 
sometimes it takes the cult leader going away and whether that's prison or whatever, I don't know. But sometimes uh, uh, the, the cult leader being taken to prison only reinvigorates support for them. So it is a cult and we're working on figuring out how to get these people out of it. Mike Pillow, my pillow CEO, Mike Lindell, says that Fox News has canceled him. Here he is telling this to Steve Bannon. But there is more to the story. Listen to this. I'm glad I'm glad you're I'm glad you're bringing I'm glad you're bringing disturbing news. It's been such a sunshiny show this morning. Hit me, brother. Let's get it all. Come on. Come on. We can we got big shoulders here in the war room. We can take it. What do you got? Well, the uh, as you know, Steve, ever since I've been speaking out about our election platform since uh, January of 21, they've, they've been attacking my company, my pillow uh, with cancel culture, the box stores, the shopping channels. And and now Fox News, Fox News has canceled my pillow and um, I don't have the reasons why yet. I can only I can only, um, you know, say, well, but the caucuses are coming on Monday. Um, uh, they know my brand is branded right with our great pre- real president, Donald Trump. Um, you know, maybe it's because I brought Lou Dobbs over to my Lindell TV network this week. And it doesn't seem that any of those are the reasons. It appears that the reason Fox News canceled my pillow is this Axios report that Mike Lindell hasn't paid his advertising bill to Fox News since August of last year reportedly owing Fox News seven point eight million dollars. Pillow says Fox News canceled me for political reasons. Axios reports they canceled them because he owes them nearly eight million bucks. Pillow responding to this apparently while driving, saying, no, that report about me owing Fox isn't true. There's a deadbeat and refuse to pay your bills. Well, it has nothing to do with uh, uh, paying bills, Steve. And I actually am reaching out to uh, Susan Scott, the CEO of Fox. I'll be reaching out to her today to find out what this is all about. Um, I'm getting reports from my media buyers that they were offered money on money on Wednesday to actually um, test one of our new ads. And that's when we found out we were shut down and... um, so it has nothing to do with money. We're well within our credit limits there. And uh, um, so, I, you know, we like I said before, I believe it's because we brought Lou Dobbs over to Lindell TV. And yeah, there really isn't evidence for that. My pillow, Mike Lindell, says that it is not because he stopped paying Fox News. What is the truth with pillow? You never know. I don't know if you noticed, but he slipped in there that he supports our real president, our real president, Donald Trump really couldn't happen to a nicer guy. And as I've said before, this entire getting involved with politics thing has been the worst thing for the My Pillow brand. Mike Pillow personally is very wealthy, but those fifteen hundred employees of his, it's a different story. And uh, anecdotally, we know that many of them are not thrilled with this holy war that he seems to be waging in the political space. Uh, we will follow what happens to My Pillow. Uh, We've got a great bonus show for you today. I will be joined by producer Pat. We will talk about strange reactions to MLK Day yesterday, AI's influence on jobs and so many more things. Sign up at joinpacman.com to get instant access. 